0: Thanks for checking out the Reveal Vineyard podcast. Our mission is simple find God, find others, find yourself. That's it. We hope through these conversations your spirit will be stirred. For more information on Reveal, you can visit our website at www.revealvineyard.com. All right, let's jump into the message. We're on week number three of our series on emotions. Uh, we call it emoticons, gaining control over our emotions before they gain control of us. And we said that if you look back on the rearview mirror of your life, we can all see different circumstances of when our emotions got the best of us or where our moods got the best of us. Maybe, maybe you lost a job because you were in a mood. You went in and told your boss exactly what you think and you lost that job because of a mood. Maybe you lost a relationship because you were in a mood and you finally said something and while it was coming out of your mouth, you knew, bad idea, but you were in a mood and so you said it anyways. Maybe you're in an 18-year relationship with a child because at some point you were in the mood and now you have that to show for it. Regardless of what it looks like, we can all look at periods of life where our emotions were leading us instead of us leading our emotions. And so this year we're trying to get the upper hand on our emotions and not let them drive us. We ask the question, are your emotions contributing or are they controlling your life? And so we're trying to get to the point of where emotions are not controlling us, not leading us, but we are leading them title of our message today is called The Blessed Life. One thing that I know for all of us that we all want to be blessed. We all want to uh, have good fortune for ourselves and for our family. We all want to feel like we have received favor. And Jesus actually had quite a bit to say on this topic. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes. And his Audience was the downcast of the day. They were the spiritually uh, frustrated and uh, those who had so many rules and regulations placed upon them that they could not possibly believe that they would get uh, catch god 's favor, let alone get god 's blessing and so it 's into this setting that Jesus clears his throat, a hush. Falls over the crowd. Jesus goes up on a mountain to amplify his voice, speaking down to the people. And the first words he says to people who feel completely separated from God and like God is against them, because that's what they were told through the uh, Pharisee, the religious leaders. And what, what the first thing he says is, You are blessed. And it must have been a double-take moment, like where people had to say, what did he say? I mean, this is Jesus, his, possibly his greatest sermon ever preached, and he, he's, he's stepping up to tell people, here's what God is like, here's what the kingdom's like, and he says, you are blessed. And I can almost see in my mind's eye of a single mother who's been an outcast for most of her adult life, standing, smiling with anticipation. Or maybe those who were sick or those who were marginalized or those who were an outcast or those who were ashamed standing to their feet thinking, maybe something different is about to happen. And with one phrase, Jesus answers the question, who is blessed by God? But before we get into that, uh, before we look at what he said, I want us to look at what he said after what he said. Often in uh, scripture, uh, There are metaphors that are used to convey a spiritual truth. Sometimes that metaphor is agriculture where it talks about planting a seed. The idea is that whatever it is you're working towards, it will take time to bear fruit. The other one is an architecture where uh, they talk about building a house, meaning uh, it's going to take some effort on on your part. And listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 24. This is after his Beatitudes, after the greatest sermon he ever preached. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So Jesus is saying, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some discipline, it's going to require some, sack, uh, some sweat equity, some sacrifice, some consistency, but if you do what I've just told you to do, you can build your house on a rock. And you understand, Jesus isn't telling you how to build a house, he's telling us how to build a life. And so he is about to unfold the life that you seek, the blessed life, he's about to unfold that to us and say, here is what it looks like, but understand It's going to take some work, it's going to take some sweat equity, and it's going to take some consistency, and it's going to take some sacrifice, but if you are willing, you can build the life that you seek if you will align yourself with my truth. And so Jesus is about to unfold that for us, but you need to be prepared, because much of what Jesus is about to say on building a blessed life will go against everything that your emotions will tell you is true. Everything that, or most of what he is about to say, if viewed through our emotional filter, we will view it as a failed day, a disastrous season of life, a chapter of sorrow, and a chapter of disappointment. But Jesus says, if you will change your perspective just a bit, you will begin to see things differently because perspective matters. We were back east uh, in New Hampshire on a vacation in, uh, uh, with the kids. We were in an RV park, and we were on a walk. And I saw up on this little trail going up which what I thought were mountain lions. And they looked like they were about this large. And we all stopped in fear. And uh, so we kind of started backtracking very slowly and went into the ranger's office. And we said, there's, there's, there are mountain lions up here. And he said, impossible. I said, well, why? He's like, we don't have them. I said, well, I'm telling you, mountain lion, bobcat, tomcat, I don't care what you call it, they're up there. And he argued with me. And I said, look, I'm telling you. And I felt like here I'm an idiot out of towner from Arizona. I'm like, I'm telling you, you have some big cats up there. And he's impossible. So I went to prove him wrong. And so down at the bottom of the hill, my kids were younger. I think the oldest was about eight. And I'm walking up this hill and my kids are crying. Don't do it, Daddy. Don't do it, Daddy. Literally, they're crying. Daddy, you're going to get eaten. And the closer I got, these big cats... They were simple house cats. Talk about feeling like an idiot. And so I come back, and and as I'm coming back, I'm kind of shaking my head, and out of the corner of my eye, there's the ranger looking at me through the window thinking, you stupid Arizona, right? But perspective matters. From where I was standing, it looked one way, and Jesus is like, if you could just come closer to me, you will see a different perspective which will lead your opinion to change on what is the blessed life. So he starts off by saying, blessed are they. And that word blessed in the Greek is makarios. It means blessed, happy, or fortunate. So in all of these, we could say happy are those, fortunate are those, or or blessed are those because they're receiving God's favor. So we're going to jump in. And as we do, I want you to ask yourself through every one of these, will you be a doer or will you only be a hearer? Let's pray. So Lord, we're going to jump in to see uh, what you have to say about building a blessed life. And I pray that you would speak to us so clearly through your Spirit, Holy Spirit, that you would move upon us. And the one that resonates, needs to resonate deep within us, would you put your hand upon us and speak over us. We invite you to have your way and move in us and transform us that we might align ourselves with you. We invite you, Holy Spirit. For the offering that we'll receive on our way out. We pray that uh, we would be able to continue to be the hands and feet of Jesus and represent you well in our community, uh, in India with the medical trip we have later this year, uh, and uh, with the schools that we're working in that we could represent and be all that you want us to be in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you think about it, be praying. I sent another uh, email off to the principal at Dysart Elementary to put our fifth resource room in a title one school uh sent that off on thursday hoping to hear something back this year so uh, i'm ex- or this week i'm excited about that that we'll have uh, five resource rooms helping with clothing and food items and uh, hygiene items and five of the eight title one schools will move into all eight hopefully this year so let's see what jesus has to say matthew chapter five if you have your bibles and you want to turn there if you don't have your bibles we'll put it on the screen Jesus telling us how to have a blessed life. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now that word poor does not elicit a favorable or positive response to us. I mean, think of it. Anytime you hear the word poor, you're thinking poor health, poor finances, that poor thing, that poor girl, whatever. We don't want to be poor in anything. Rather, we want to have abundance in everything. And yet Jesus says that you can, if you change your perspective, that recognizing that you're poor in spirit will actually set you up to be blessed. If, if you just change your perspective. Porn spirit means this. That every season of life, you recognize your dependence upon God. And we don't like that word dependence. We like independence. We like to be a self-made man, a self-made woman. We like self-sufficiency. And yet Jesus tells us that you are blessed when you recognize, hear me, that your resources are not sufficient for your current needs. That, that it drives you to someone who is greater than yourself. Jesus says that you are fortunate is the one who understands that they cannot navigate this storm alone, stand under this pressure unassisted. Blessed is he or she who can recognize that they do not have what, it, what they need to move from here to where they need to be. And Jesus says, recognize that when you, when you realize that you are poor in spirit, that you cannot do it on your own. It drives you to a higher source. It drives you to God a loving Father, and in Him you find what you need. And Jesus says, I know you think that being poor is a curse, being poor in spirit is a curse, but He says it is actually a blessing because it drives you to the Father. There is a blessing in recognizing poverty in spirit when we can embrace our inadequacy to solve a problem or our deficiency of strength to endure because it pushes you to God. And when, when things are smooth, we know what happens. A warning to the people, uh, children of Israel, it said this in Deuteronomy, it says, take care lest you forget the Lord your God. Lest when you have eaten and full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and your flock multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. Jesus says, look, poor in spirit, You associate being poor as as the worst. Emotionally, if we hear the word poor, we're checked out. That's That's not a good thing. But Jesus says it can actually be a blessing because it drives you to the Father. And some of you, I know your stories. Some of you are in a season of life where it appears all hell is breaking loose. And you don't have the resources, you don't have the strength, you don't have the wisdom, you don't have the endurance. And and recently, a couple weeks ago, someone told me, I can't continue to do this fight. And Jesus would actually say, you are poor in spirit, but you can actually be blessed by God if it drives you to him. And his shift on that perspective is brilliant. It's brilliant. Now listen to how he continues. He says in verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, you know who mourns. It's the people who have lost someone, who have experienced a deep loss. And if you've experienced a loss of someone, what, did your emotions tell you you were blessed? Typically, they, they tell you just the opposite. And yet Jesus steps in and very boldly says, Those who mourn are actually blessed. And here's what he's saying. Mourners are those who have been so emotionally connected. Blessed or fortunate or happy are those who mourn because you lived your life in such a way that you loved so deeply and were so invested in others' lives that when they leave this world, there's a void left in you. And Jesus is not minimizing the pain, but he's celebrating the relationship. You are blessed, he says, when you have poured yourself into people and they have poured themselves into you, and you have a group that's around you that is loved so deeply that when they go, it feels like you yourself will die. And Jesus says, you will be comforted, but understand that in that moment you are blessed because you loved so deeply. The opposite, he could say this. Unhappy are those who build a wall around their heart. Unfortunate are those who invest in no one. And your relationships are shallow and superficial. You may escape life without mourning the loss of a loved one. But Jesus would say you have missed the blessing because you kept yourself in isolation. And so he says, look, I'm going to tell you how to build the life that you want. And part of it is, is that you're investing in people that you will love incredibly my, and, and that's difficult in our culture today because we're an online culture and we're so busy that we pull away. It's part of why we're pushing again. Get involved in a group. Meet some people that you can have a mutually beneficial relationship with. And Jesus says, blessed are those who pour themselves into a relationship. And so where are you at with that? Are, have, are you lined up with what Jesus is saying? Look at Matthew 5.5. 5. Here's how to build a life of blessing. Blessed are the meek For they shall inherit the earth. And often our response to meek is is nothing favorable because we associate meekness with weakness. But here's a definition that we're going to work off of. Meekness is the proper estimation or valuation of oneself within the broader context of God's creation and love. The proper estimation or valuation of oneself within the broader context of God's Creation in love. Jesus is saying, blessed are those who understand that you're part of God's plan, you're part of God's creation, but you're not the center of God's creation. In other words, he would say, happy are those, fortunate are those who do not put themselves in front of God because they're constantly seeking the spotlight, constantly looking for more, but instead they understand how God's created them, what He's created them to do, and their response is, I am willing to bloom wherever god has planted me and in that jesus says you are blessed because you're not going to move in front of god look when john was confronted john the baptist his disciples came to him and his disciples were all stirred in a frenzy and they said john jesus is starting to baptize more people than you and they thought that john would become upset and and kind of you know his pride would well up and he'd be like well we got to figure out some way to get those people from jesus and yet john and Chapter 3 says, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. In other words, John is saying, look, we're going to do our best with what we've been given. Every gift, every talent, every resource. But ultimately, we recognize that it all comes from God. And I will not strive to move ahead of God or to step out of the place where he has currently planted me. And Jesus says, you're blessed in that moment when you realize your valuation and your place where God has placed you at this moment. So he says, blessed are the meek, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And then he moves on in verse 6. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Look, if you want to build a life on the rock, if, if, if you want to be blessed, then thirst and hunger for righteousness. And he says, they shall be satisfied. Hopefully you've discovered this in life, that you will never regret doing the right thing. If you think back to the, the areas of life that you have your biggest regrets in, They are always when your emotions led you to do wrong and never when you went to do what was right. If you could go back in time and change something, you would change the things that you have done wrong. Jesus knew that you will never have a regret for doing the right thing. And so Jesus tells us, if, if you want to build your life, then pursue hunger and thirst for righteousness. Here's how we could put this passage today. Fortunate, happy are those who have a life without guilt, without regret, and with a clear conscience. He would say blessed are those who question their feelings before running out and acting upon their emotions because they're going to lead them into all kinds of hurt and all kinds of heartache. And Jesus says if you want to be blessed, then thirst and commit to doing what is right. We tell our children that all the time. My children were younger. We'd send them off to school. Do the right thing. Why? Because we knew that blessing, good thing, Good things happen when you pursue righteousness. And so Jesus says, Look, just pursue what is right. Last week we said, The person who has the greatest potential to sabotage the happiness and the life that you seek. The person who has uh, the greatest potential uh, to undermine the life that you desire is you. The person who has the greatest potential to undermine the life that I desire is me. When I'm led by my emotions, right? I buy it when I can't afford it, or I leased it, or I ate it, or I smoked it, or I drank it, or I said it, right? Some of you dated it, some of you slept with it, and then some of you married it, right? We, Jesus knows, that if you're left on your own, you can sabotage and undermine the very life that you desire, and Jesus says, look, let me tell you how you're going to achieve what you're looking for. Pursue righteousness. Commit to doing what is right and you will be satisfied. He said, avoid potential disaster and do what is right. He's brilliant in this. Even if you're not a Christ follower, you have to look at what he says and and, and say, there's something deep here that he's speaking. And then in verse 7 he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Fortunate are those who are relationally generous and give to others what they do not deserve. Blessed are those who are not obsessed with revenge. Happy are those who do not take pleasure in the pain of someone else who wronged you. Blessed are those who are not waiting to be paid back. He would say fortunate are those who do not hold grudges, who are not constantly calling up the past. Blessed are those who are willing to give away the very mercy that they themselves seek. I have never met a person who is hanging on to the past who is happy and blessed. And I'm guessing you haven't either. And if you're in a season of life where you're hanging on to something in the past at this season of your life, it's probably very difficult to say that you're blessed. Jesus says you want to build a life of blessing. You must be a person of mercy and you must give away that which someone doesn't deserve. Forgiveness, mercy, It's really never about the other person. It's always more about you. And Jesus is saying, look, here's what it means to build your life on the rock. You must be a person of mercy because ultimately it's about you. Ultimately it's about how I want to bless you, how I want to work through you, how I want to transform you, how I want to move you closer into my image. And it starts with being a person of mercy. Ultimately, that forgiveness is not really about the other person. It's about what God wants to do in us. And so be a person of mercy. Next one, Jesus says something rather brilliant. He could have asked the question Does anybody here want to see God? Does anybody desire to see more of the activity of God? Does anybody desire to see God more clearly? Does anybody desire to have a greater understanding of God? And everyone then and everyone today would answer yes. And Jesus says, okay, here's how that's going to happen. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And when we read this, we naturally think, well, okay, I'm going to see God after I die. But Jesus is talking in a bigger context. When I was about 19 or 20 uh, I got my first set of glasses, and I didn't realize that at the time, but from about 15 on, I was blind, driving 16, 17, 18, 19. And it wasn't until the first time I put on glasses that I saw what was always there but did not see it clearly because my eyes were out of focus. And what Jesus is telling you, that if you put me on, if we step into Christ, as, as Romans says, that something begins to occur in us and, and our vision begins to change. If you put on Christ, you begin to seek a pure heart and you will begin to see God at work in ways where he was always there. But you didn't see it because your heart was polluted. And Jesus says, look, I know you want to see God. Today I would ask you, I I know you want to see God. I know you want to understand more of the moving of God and I know you want to see with greater clarity the path of God and I know you desire to have a greater understanding of the ways of God and Jesus tells us pursue pursue purity because when we sin we know this sin separates us from ourselves right we turn on ourselves we become our own worst enemy we see that you know you've said it about yourself uh, talk negatively about yourself Sin separates us from others, and ultimately sin separates us from God. And so Jesus, in a brilliant statement, says if you want to see more of God's activity, then pursue purity. But then he, he, he also says that, but you can't pursue this purity in and of yourself. You don't have it within you to make yourself pure, but if you, like we just sang, if you would submit yourself to me in every area of life, I will start the purity work in you. And as that continues, you will begin to see more of God just as you desire. And so he kind of baits them in. You, you, you want to see more of God? Pursue purity. And we'll start that transformation process. Then in verse 9 he says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. Think about the people that you know in life who are troublemakers. Are any of them happy? All the troublemakers that I've known, none of them, none of them are happy. They're all miserable. They always want to stir the pot. They always want to cause trouble. And Jesus says, look, blessed are the peacemakers. In other words, Blessed are those that will walk into a broken broken relationship and bring reconciliation. Happy are the reconcilers is what Jesus is saying. So we need to ask ourselves, in what areas are there broken relationships in our lives? Jesus says, I'm telling you how to build the life you desire. And it starts with being a peacemaker that you will walk into the relationship that's broken, even though you may be in the right and they may be 100% in the wrong, that you will walk into that relationship and you will bring reconciliation because when you do, you most reflect God the Father and you reflect yourself as a son and daughter of God. It's brilliant. He says, do you want to be blessed? Will you be a doer of what I'm about to tell you? If you want to be blessed, then be a peacemaker. And reflect God in that. Look the next one. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This word um, persecuted, um, it, 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 I like it better being uh, in the Greek is pursued aggressively. Because we see persecution as death or something like that. It's in a larger, broader uh, scope. It's the idea of being pursued aggressively for something that you did. So Jesus says, blessed are those who pursued aggressively or who who, who have people come against them for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you were trying to build an organization like a a new religion, we would remove Jesus quickly from the marketing department. Because to say something like this is not really what's going to be attracting people. Jesus said, okay, so I'm blessed when I'm persecuted, but you can never accuse Jesus of bait and switch. And so he says, blessed are you when someone comes against you for righteousness sake, and and, and here's why. You and I are gonna suffer in life for either doing the right thing or doing the wrong thing. You will either suffer for doing right or doing wrong, but you can only be blessed on one side of that equation. Meaning that if you do wrong and someone finds out you cheat on your taxes, the IRS comes against you. You cheat at work, your boss comes against you. You cheat on your spouse, your spouse comes against you. If, if you're gonna, people are gonna pursue you aggressively for either doing wrong or doing right. If they pursue you aggressively, come against you for doing wrong, that's on you. But Jesus says, if they pursue you aggressively and come against you for doing righteousness, you are blessed, and here's why. Because only then... Can you go to bed at night knowing that you are at peace with God and that you are at peace with yourself? And if you've ever done wrong and been caught, you know what it's like going to bed at night wrestling with that angst of everything that you did wrong. And the why didn't I stop and I wish I could redo it and why was I so stupid and that angst that is inside of you, Jesus says, okay, someone can come against you aggressively for doing wrong, but if they do it for you being righteous, you will know that you're at peace with God and you're at peace with yourself and that is priceless. So you lose the promotion because you wouldn't do something unethical and, and Jesus would say, you go to bed at night, it sucks you didn't get the promotion, but you're at peace with God and you're at peace with yourself. You, you lose a friend because of a conviction. Horrible to lose a friend, but Jesus says you are blessed because you chose righteousness and you go to bed at night knowing that the Father is pleased, you're at peace with God, and you're at peace with yourself. And Jesus says that's the only way that you will receive this blessing. And then he's finished. And after all of his sermon through chapter 6 and into chapter 7, we'll read his entire passage that he says. He says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it has been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it jesus says look i i hope what i said to you resonated and now the question is will you be a doer or will you be a hearer because hearing is good but hearing does not build the life on the rock and it will not build the life that you desire he says so if you are going to progress if you're going to receive and and step into the life that god wants for you and, and if you're new here, we're not we're not a prosperity movement church. So I'm not talking riches and abundance are gonna come to you. I'm talking about that, that God. You align yourself with God, and God says, I can bless your relationships, might bless your finances, but I bless your family, I'll bless your personal life. But here's what it here's what it takes. To build a life on the rock, hearing isn't enough. Because it is not until what you believe infiltrates your behavior that the process of a foundation is laid. So here's what we end on. When you're a doer of what Jesus said, it's going to require you digging down to hit rock. And so oftentimes, when we begin to to, to build this life that We desire, Jesus says, anything that is soft, anything that is not solid, anything that is fluff needs to be moved aside. So the shovel has to come out. And God says, look, we need to dig down to get this life that you want on the rock. And so the shovel comes out and Jesus starts moving things in your life. And sometimes when life is being shaken up, and some of your lives are being shaken up right now, and you think it's the devil, but it might not be the devil, it might be the shovel. It might be God saying, okay, look, you made this commitment, so we're just moving some of those things out that don't line up because you want your life founded on the rock. And the only way that's going to happen is for some things that can be moved, for the sand to be pushed aside. And so Jesus gives this incredible, life-changing sermon. And he offers it to us. He says, here's what a blessed life looks like. And then when he's finished, he says, now what's your choice? Do you want to do what I said? Do you want to practice being a peacemaker? Do you want to practice sowing mercy? Do you want to practice pursuing uh, purity? Do you want to practice recognizing your deficiency and allowing it to drive you to God? Do you want to practice sowing into other people that you would have such a a deep emotional connection with them that there would be that shared love? If you want to be a doer, Jesus says you'll build your life on a rock and you'll be blessed. But if you want to be led by your emotions and if you just want to wing it, you can try that too. But your life will be built on sand and eventually everything will erode and deteriorate. So close your eyes with me for a moment and just take a few minutes before God And consider how God might be, how he wants to speak to you, how the Holy Spirit wants to move you. In which of these areas is God telling you, you need to come under alignment with my truth here, that you want the blessed life, but you're not under my blessing. You want to be fortunate, but you've been sowing into the things that are not of my kingdom. Whatever it is that God is speaking to you on, your choice is hearer or doer. And God's promises. If you're a doer, it's going to take time and sweat equity and hard work. There's no quick fix to the blessed life. But if you're a doer, and if you sow into the things I have spoken, one day you will look back and you will see, God has blessed me. And I pray that for us, Lord. I pray that we would submit ourselves to your lordship. That you would lead and you would be the one who is in control. That we would submit ourselves to you. This week that we would practice. Today as we leave that we would put these things into practice. And I pray that blessing upon our church. I pray a blessing for those who are struggling in their circumstances. I pray they would realize their poverty of spirit and it would drive them to you and you would meet them with arms wide open. That you would give them the strength they do not have on their own. I pray a blessing over families, over marriages, I pray a blessing over marriages that each of them would be peacemakers. That they would be merciful to one another. I pray it over parents with children that parents would be merciful towards their children. Children would be peacemakers towards their parents. For those are the blessings that carry weight. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior and our King. Amen.